Welcome to the Educate US podcast with your host, Nick Saveri, Dr. Stacy Schultz, and Dr. Patrice Fenton. Three former teachers and administrators talking about a wide range of topics happening in education. Time to educate us. Thank you, of course, for listening to the Educate US Show podcast. Emailers are always welcome. The Educate US Show at gmail.com. Once again, the Educate US Show at gmail.com. As I, we always talk about between these episodes, the three of us hear from friends and colleagues constantly about what people appreciate. Always welcome, but ratings are obviously helpful too, specifically on Apple Podcasts. Simply give us a five star review. Add some text as well. The stars are great, but definitely add some words. If, you're, if you've taken enough time to text us, go ahead, just throw that right over to Apple Podcasts as well, and that will be appreciated. So this conversation today is an interesting one. They're all interesting, obviously, but this one is sort of a crossover because you know previously I was on Can We Please Talk? We talked to Mike and I were talking to a guest, Bill McGinley, who was a, a Republican strategist, had previously been with the Trump White House. And in the midst of the conversation, as we get ready to close, a couple of different topics come up. And one in particular just set off a, I don't necessarily think it's a red flag, but you know, my education ears are always up. That sort of kind of comes with the job, I guess. And as it came up, I just started not angrily, but just aggressively texting Mike about, should I ask a follow-up here? And we agreed at that time, let's just take that over somewhere else. That somewhere else is here. Listeners, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you're either with a significant other or with a parent and something really tense gets brought up and the what you understood immediately, either through eye contact or someone just angrily whispers to you, we'll talk about this later. That is exactly <laughs> what I was experiencing when I heard the when I heard this comment about education, the field that you're all as listeners passionate about, that my colleagues and I are passionate about talking about with you all all the time yes but every week as well um and with that in mind here's the clip i'm i'm speaking to economics i think is going to be critical because that is really the kitchen table issue that and education of the kids when we see the test scores continue to go down when they see some of the programs in the schools that aren't teaching them the skills they need not only to compete against each other in the united states but for the united states to be competitive internationally um, by giving our children the tools they need to compete. Educating the kids, teaching them how to think, not what to think, and giving them the tools to succeed. It doesn't matter who you are, school choice. Let's get all of these kids in the underprivileged areas, get them into good schools and give them the future that they deserve as Americans. So there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> For anyone who's who's had an opinion on education, ever been in the education space, there's a lot to take in there from what Bill said. And as I heard all that, I wanted to bring it to my friends and co-hosts today. So full disclosure, I've shared this clip already. So we've all had a chance to unpack by ourselves. Funny enough, before we hit the record button, Stacy was at was teasing out, you know, did we want to hear what you had to say? I waved my hands. You know, if you're watching, you're seeing me. If you're listening, you're, you know, maybe hearing my polo rustle a little bit to not hear it. I wanted to hear it like you all <laughs> in a moment. Uh, Patrice, I'm going to go to you first. There was, I, there's no other way to say it. There's a bunch of buzzworthy things, talking points, 
that came up. But as you heard it, just take me through sort of like just the way your brain sort of processes it from like the sensory of hearing it to cognitively and experientially everything you've done in behalf of children in the education space. What came up for you as you heard that? What came up for me? What a question, Nick. Um, Well, one, it was just, I could sense. So I've been doing a lot of like um, work on being present in my body and just seeing how, uh, what it feels like to actually like be in tune and in touch with my senses as I'm in different sorts of experiences. So as I was listening, my first listen, and even actually all of the listens that I've taken at, at this point, I'm like, this person has no clue. This is the first thing that comes up for me. It's like a string to me of buzzwords that the person's been fed to then say to kind of speak to these things in broad strokes without any real deep meaning or understanding of what they're actually saying. So that's like kind of broadly how I I took in the quote. You know, in in educational, oftentimes we talk about giving feedback and we... (laughs) My friends and I joke about the feedback sandwich where you have to like say something positive and then something <laughs> critical and then something not, you know, something positive at the end. Um, so I can start with something positive. Uh, there is a piece about teaching young people uh, how to think, not what to think. Well, that was great. Yes, they need support in developing what I would say more, more aptly critical thinking skills, right? How to think critically about the world around them. Great, I'm with him there. Pretty much everything else was just like, is he saying um this idea about competition um and then of course test scores right so those two things really stood out to me uh it's something like test score is steadily declining um and then this need to be comp- com- competitive both within schools here domestically and then internationally and i get the idea in a general sense of, about being competitive but you, we, we all know, at least uh, I'm sure our listeners agree, education is not about competition. <laughs> um, and so to even frame the concept or the conversation in that way is dangerous to me at best. Um, and it, it just makes me wonder how the folks who are charged with making these sorts of high level political decisions are really thinking about what is really happening in our schools. Um, And this idea of um, the other buzzword, school choice, which again, broadly, yeah, sure. We wanna give kids, young people, parents, families, caregivers choices, but we all know that this is typically a buzzword for something else. So this idea of underprivileged uh, students, get them into good schools, as if the schools that they they have at their disposal aren't already good and likely just under-resourced and overworked and all the other things that we've talked about on this show. Um, so there was just a lot of assumptions and uh, lack of understanding, um, lack of context, um, broad stroke, buzzword, what the hell is he really saying sort of moments in that one tiny little clip. Um, I, I have so many more thoughts, but I'm so curious now to hear Stacy after we kind of prepped. So uh, Stacy, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I think, you know, Patrice, when you were saying it was just a barrage of buzzwords, right? And what I thought when I first finished the clip was like, well, he really didn't say anything. 
Um, like these are things and words we hear all the time with lots of undertone of meaning. So I said, well, what is he really saying then? He, right? It's like a lot of times we're like people, not what they say, it's actually what they're not saying. And so as a Republican strategist, I started to look underneath the hood. I started to think, well, what are Republican candidates saying about education? And some of the things that were really coming up and, you know, for example, um, South Carolina, former South Carolina governor, Nikki Haley, was talking about getting back to basics in education. And she was discussing how it's really important that we are not educating our students, particularly around race and sexuality, that our kids are too young for that, right? And she had a really outrageous example of like a five-year-old being in class and critical race theory, you know, this kind of repetitive mantra that we're hearing from the Republican Party that really aren't true, right? And really fanning more and more of these um, culture wars. And a lot of what we've talked about too with Moms of Liberty, right? Like give parents the choice and let parents have the final say. And something that really struck me is like, yeah, parents do have the final say actually in a lot of ways, right? But should they be having the final say over curriculum, right? There's so many points in time when, when I walk into the doctor's office with my children, and if the doctor says X, Y, and Z, yeah, I might have questions and I have the final say to what I might do with my child, but I'm not a medical expert. So I'm gonna defer to their expertise in some ways, right, to um, help make that decision. And so these conversations about education are, are interesting to me because they're really seemingly connected more to the surveys of what people are saying is important to them or what they're worried about and just sort of fanning a fire instead of saying, hey, why don't we take a minute to unpack this and really talk about what this could look like? Because, you know, at the at the base of what he was saying around, yeah, we, we need to shift our education system. Yep, I agree. We need to shift our education system. Uh, we need to work on helping students uh, think like, how to think, you pointed out this quote, and not what to think. Yeah, we need to be doing more of that. So how is the Republican Party helping voters do that? In a lot of these mantra, and, and, and any politician really, right? They're just like, let's get on the bandwagon of the buzzword that gets people most riled up. And, and that was really what was striking me. Um, There's a whole other element too that is coming from the Republican Party right now, which is which is a repeat of history, right? Let's dismantle the Department of Education. And it's always been sort of a um, an empty threat because it's been threatened before and nothing has been done. And really what are the areas of the Department of Education and what are they working over or overseeing? The four big areas, you know, IDEA, um, student loans, which we know student debt forgiveness has been a hot topic in the news and, and how you have to ask yourself, why are Republicans so against that? And actually, I want to pause. I did some deeper diving and, and personally just reflecting on why would Republicans be so against this? And then it struck me, oh, I have some ideas. What do you all think? I know this is kind of going away from that quote, but it was, it was really getting me to think like, what are 
nominees right now, or not nominees, um, what are candidates for the presidency saying right now? What are they saying? You know, and uh, that was really getting my mind going. So from your all point of view, why do you think Republicans are so against relieving student debt? I'm sitting with that. There's a couple of theories that come up generationally too, but um, we get sometimes folks that I don't even know if their political affiliation have have not been big fans of it. But Teresa, I go to you first though. If you want to start, just what was sitting with you with that 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 question about um, support or not supporting student loan relief? It's a really really great question. I also have like just kind of. I think there is like a generational thing. I think when you think about who uh, is most indebted in this country and how there's just in general a lack of like care overall about those who are sort of struggling um, financially. Uh, and this is a country where, you know, it's very much a country of the haves and the have nots and the haves tend to not really care about the have nots. And so it would, it, to me, it follows that policy would, would basically follow suit, right? So uh, why would you take out a loan if you can't afford to pay it back? That's on you, right? I have, I, I you know, I either didn't have to take out a loan or if I did, I'm going to get into a, a well-paying or well-paying position to support me to pay it back. Why can't you do the same thing? You know, bootstrap yourself after all, right? So I think there's this overall ideology about how we show care, especially when it comes to economic or financial matters. There's just a total lack of um, empathy, I think, in general in this country when it comes to that. Um, and you could tie in, I think you, you obviously, just because it's it's America, so you could tie in race. And I think there are statistics that show, right, that uh basically melanated people in this country are the ones who are suffering most when it comes to student loan debt. Um, and that is true. I, I, obviously, as a melanated woman, I could never take away from that. I also think that it comes down to what I said initially, which is just that this country has never really cared about those who are living in poverty, those who are struggling financially, uh, economically, it's just not, this is not a place that, that that cares about that. So I feel like that drives a lot of the thinking and whether or not people are in, in these positions of power care enough to support those who are struggling. Uh, I don't think it even crosses their mind to be quite, quite honest. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know what's easy? Bundling policies with GEICO. GEICO makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing, too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to GEICO.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's GEICO easy. Visit GEICO.com today. That's GEICO.com. Yeah, I let off with the first person, like the, the thought that comes up for me off is when there's pushback about um, student loan debt relief, it often is prefaced in the idea of, well, you know, for, you know, for me, you know, I had to work hard to pay it off. It, it's a lot of, you know, I went to school and walked up the hill forwards and backwards kind of stuff. Right. Which, you know, funny story about this. I remember years ago when I first started at the organization that we all work with. Right. I remember getting pushed back about 
instructional technology from a teacher that said something about, well, you know, why do we need all this technology? Like it's, it's a, it's wasteful. Why it's not worth using. And I asked her, are you a fan of the microwave? Yeah. And I just, she paused and she was like, well, what does it have to do with that? I'm like, well, I mean, innovation happens in all spaces. So, you know, when the microwave was introduced, it was that your same thought? Do you have a working microwave at home? Do you not use a washing machine or a dryer for that matter? You know, why do we parse what we want to see innovation in versus where we don't? So I, I often think of not necessarily that story, but this idea of, well, why, if a new path can be created, why not? Fundamentally, it always seemed to me that if we forgive student loan debt relief, you know, as a country, we struggle with saving. So what essentially becomes that money that people get back becomes disposable income, which becomes taxable income, actually. Stacey, as you were sharing it, there's a quote I found for, um, it, when Republicans were trying to push back against the, um, against the SAVE bill, S-A-V-E, uh, which is saving on a valuable education. Um, and they come from the from the White House. You know, there was a quote from the Republican Senator Bill Cassidy out of, out of uh, Louisiana, who was quoted saying, once again, Biden's newest student loan scheme only shifts the burden from those who chose to take out loans to those who decide not to go to college, paid their way or already responsibly paid off their loans. So similar to what we talked about in that first in that clip, this idea of just carefully choosing your words. You know, the idea of shifting the burden, I'm never a fan of the, like, let's, let's deconstruct, you know, my paycheck game. Cause you'll hear this all the time. Well, why do we pay for this? And, you know, do that, do pay for that. My father and I go back and forth on this all the time and to just bring this home for a minute. And I've done this with most people too. And the reality is that if we're really going to get into this game about parsing out where your tax dollars go to, I will always bring up our military budget makes it about to, makes up about, I think, 15 to 30 percent of our gross domestic product. And it's supposed to be in order to qualify for NATO. You're looking at money in the billions for what? And I honestly, true, truthfully, when I say that weapons <laughs> like, you know, so I don't like to play that game because I can spend all day doing this. We can cut up you know, where our money goes as a country. We're an obscenely wealthy nation just measured by our GDP. So if you really want to discuss, you know, why some money goes in some places and some goes other, let's go into it. And ultimately you're going to, fa- you're going to find that what Patrice said a moment ago, it's absolutely correct. You know, our values are expressed by where we spend our money. So I, I, yeah, I'm always confused by that. As far as Republicans not wanting it, I, yeah, you know, I'm trying to be, not necessarily naive, but I'm trying to sort of, you know, look into the ether as to, well, what could it be? Is it truly, you know, is it truly a matter of, of racism and classism? It's like, is that like the most direct answer? The answer is yes. Like, I don't, this, I, where else would this come from? This idea of like, well, you know, we're pushing that burden onto others because Republicans will push this, will pull this ahead with tax savings, you know, for companies. You know, we hear this all the time, like, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, all these companies, you know, when you look into it, their business expenses basically write off any taxes, most taxes that they would pay, right? So ultimately that burden comes down to us, you know, for those in the another in another class. Because, you know, against salaried employees, and I feel like this became an economics conversation, but I always nerd out about this stuff. So I'm here. But when we talk about taxation in this country, it always comes down to your paycheck. 
those who actually have a salary, or even if you are an I-9 employee, taxes will come out of there. Where it doesn't come out is for those who are able to allegedly argue that they're pouring their money back into the economy in the form of capital expenses. As always, the capital gains tax, which is against dividends of stock wealth, like what you get in stocks, lower than it is for paychecks, noticeably lower. Not necessarily the case when Reagan was president, shockingly, but it's just continued to have that gap ever since. Anyway, this is a huge deviation to that question, though, but I think it does come down to I think we are comfortable with keeping an underclass in this country and student loans are a way of doing so. And it's always strange to me what Republicans will find valuable that they want to keep the money money in place, because typically they're a party of giving money back to the citizens. That's always been their argument. They always accuse Democrats of wanting to spend money against the government, whereas they want to give money back to the people in the form of tax breaks. In this case, we're just simply saying, well, let's just end student loans like today. And that money goes back to consumers. And inevitably, they're going to spend it back into the economy. No one's going to sit. There's going to be no Scrooge McDuck vaults of money that people are going to go swimming in. It's not going to happen, but they want to just keep it into the hands of the government. It's the one and rare reason where Republicans seem to come from. So to the best of my ability, it's, it's my theory as to why that is. But um, Stacey, you've been sitting with that. What what came back for you, though, as far as other reasons? I mean, what you both named were totally where I was going, um, both a race and class issue, both um, the economics of it all. And it's no surprised that the quote that you shared at the top of this was about what are the top issues he said economics and education and it's kind of full circle what we've been talking about you know through this episode it also is interesting to me that a lot of the republican you know senators and congressmen are they have poverty issues in their state and yet None of them have poverty issues. I shouldn't say none. I don't know if the none is accurate, but many of them do not. And it's interesting to me, the waving of the flag of, well, this is federal overreach. Everything that might actually help and support eradicating in some way some of these issues is federal overreach. But is it? Really? And that's some of the questions and wonderings um, I I have. And I know we weren't necessarily making this a political conversation tonight, but it's very political. (laughs) And uh, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting. And I think we'll have a lot more episodes like this, especially as we're heading, you know, more into the presidential election cycle um, for the for the coming year. So I'm looking forward to it with both of you and and with our listeners and our different guests we're going to have on. That we like to call a tease, folks. Stacy and, and Patrice have both been talking about really where we're going to be going next. You know, obviously, our previous series, we talked about, you know, just hearing the voices of other people involved in the school community and what their needs are. You know, where we shift our gaze moves into the needs of other populations as well. And, and I'm going to leave it there because that's where we're going to be starting to bring us all to in the coming episodes. This is also an example of where the show also likes to be as well, where any of us, you know, just hear something that sort of perks our ears and we have one of those moments of, am I crazy or dot, dot, dot. Now, personally and professionally, Stacey and Patrice and I do this often. 
in you know in other matters as members of the organization that we're in. But in this particular case, this felt like just a good way to unpack, which I would offer to anyone. But I will make this also a teachable moment too. So one of the things, good listeners, that you've all been catching in some form or another is a really helpful protocol that any of you can use at home. So we talked about you know listening. We talked about here is something that we we're just taking and processing. I don't know if you all caught it, but I'm going to bring this back up. The way Patrice and Stacy both talked about this, better than I did actually, this idea of hearing something multiple times, not placing judgment yet, but then going through a process of what was actually said, what can we potentially infer from it, what do we start to wonder about it, and ultimately what opportunities emerge. That's essentially the, the, the walkthrough that we did. And I would offer anyone, if you're in a school environment or in any professional environment, when you're trying to take in information before the rush to conclusions, which we often do as a society, just listen to it a couple of times. Just let it marinate and just take it for what it is. We also noticed, too, that Stacey and Patrice both brought up something that Bill had mentioned that just in isolation is an interesting concept. This idea of focusing on how we learn versus what we learn. I will, of course, be the cynic here and bring up the fact that I'm only hearing this conversation now from conservatives because for so long in the form of American history textbooks and many other things in curriculum, we were okay with that of teaching people what to know. But now suddenly post 2020, and I'll just let you all interpret that however you want to interpret that. Now we're starting to get more concerned. I'm using we, who am I kidding here? Conservatives. (laughs) are now more interested in you know, what it is that uh, people are learning. So I'll, I'll, I'll simply leave it there. As Stacy teased out, more for future episodes. Folks, again, the Educate US show at gmail.com. Get your word out there. We want to bring on the show, as we've been sometimes doing with some of our friends that we've been reading their texts with their permission on this program. On behalf of my colleagues, Dr. Patrice Fenton, Dr. Stacy Schultz, I'm Nick Saveri. Thank you again for listening.